Ignite is an interfaith community of young entrepreneurs, cross-sector leaders, creators, and movement makers together, discovering wisdom, finding purpose, and creating positive social transformation. You're listening to season three of our podcast, Change Happens Now. A powerful space for our collective to find leadership resources and inspiration, and for marginalized communities to have these large conversations, to amplify our voices, center the wisdom of our spiritual and cultural traditions, and integrate our commitments to justice, innovation, and spirituality. In each episode, we share conversations with innovative leaders who are creating change right where they are. This is a new way to lead, created by our community, designed for our moment. Let's dive in. Renji Abraham is the Dean of Spiritual Life and Cultural Integration at Multnomah University. As a part of the Diversity and Inclusive Development Department, Renji is passionate about walking with leaders who are biracial people of color as they discover their true selves. He brings a unique skill set and view of collaboration with his 17-year career in multicultural leadership in Portland, Oregon. Renji is an Indian American, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. Please welcome this incredible leader. All right, it's awesome to be here with you, Renji. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with you as well. Awesome. Well, um, I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I mean, just uh, being able to track with a little bit of what you're up to and what you're doing. I mean, it's not only interesting, but it's extremely impactful. And so I don't want to waste any time. I want people to really be able to have a lot of time to dive in and jump into your story. So I'll just start with asking you, uh, just tell us a little bit about your world your family, spiritual tradition, work, all of the above. Just tell us who is Renji. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am married to uh, an amazing and brilliant white woman. So right away in our, our relationship, it's been all about intercultural, multicultural experience, trying to understand each other. She has an education background, but is an artist and works at a tap house in the city. And I learn from her every day and she challenges me in great ways. Uh, we have two wonderful kids. Uh, they are my world. And I don't know, parenting is wonderful and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I, I hope to that we're creating an environment where they can discover who they truly are, that they feel safe and confident to be kind human beings in this world. And at the same time, I hope I don't mess them up, you know? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we do, right? And I think a lot of it is, right, trying to maybe dismantle unhealthy practices or viewpoints that were present in my own upbringing in my world. Mm. So I'm, I'm Indian American. So my parents were born and raised in India, got married, and then they moved to the U.S. And they, you know, they landed in Portland, Oregon in a mm -hmm. random way and were the, one of the first Indian Americans in the, in, the, in the city. And so my sister and I are the first of our family to be born in the States. And our culture was really important. Our parents leaving everything, the courage that it takes to just pick up and move for an opportunity. So I grew up with the mentality of I want to honor my parents, mm. But I also want to navigate this new world. And I, I found myself as a kid trying to help my parents understand what is this white American world that they're living in. And so, uh, you know, my parents were Christian in India when they came. Uh, they looked for a church. It's a place of community, of relationships. And we landed in a white conservative 
church. Mm. And so my sister and I, my family, were primarily the only people of color in this church for a long time. And then slowly uh, around on the suburbs of, of Portland, uh, the high-tech industry, there's Nike, there's Intel, mm. there's all these businesses. And so the Indian community started growing, more uh, people of color and, and communities of color started growing. So we moved out into the suburbs and started attending a church that was very multi-ethnic in its nature. And so from middle school on, I've primarily been in uh, multi-ethnic spaces. And I currently am a uh, dean of spiritual life and cultural integration at a Christian university. It's a lot of words, but basically I get to live in the world of spirituality and race identity and helping the university as a whole, but walking with um, college students and helping them grow and tie their race identity along with um, their spirituality. So, yeah, that's a little little bit about me right there. Wow, man. So what does your work look like practically? Like on a college campus, how are you doing this kind of work on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of of everything. Yesterday, we had a two-hour morning where all of classes were canceled, and we gathered students together to uh, consider prayer uh, and to explore it from different perspectives and different traditions uh, and to create space where they could slow down and to look inwardly, but also to remember and reflect that they are a part of something so much greater than them themselves and to connect with with the spirit. Uh, so that was in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I got to guest lecture in a class and talk about healthy dialogue and engagement and, and looking at there's pressing issues in our world and they're challenging conversations. So how, how do we engage with them? How do we have the, the posture that will help us move forward in conversation? And then I get to work with faculty and staff as we think about how do we continue to provide a space that all of our students, uh, regardless of their background, can thrive and that they feel supported in their educational endeavor, but recognizing right their whole beings. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, we want them to provide them a healthy education, but we want them to be healthy people. Uh, so how do we provide them the mental health resources, the spiritual resources, the career resources? So I work in that department with those, those colleagues of mine. And then I get to walk with students. I get to meet with them and encourage them, help them discover how they have been created, the unique places they, they grow up in, the unique, unique worlds that they get to step into, and how does all of those things intersect with their desire to, to find a job and a role that will impact this world, for hopefully for the betterment of humanity. Yeah, wow. Well, that's beautiful. You briefly mentioned, you know, what hap- what's been happening in our world and things like that. And then I also can relate to you. I grew up in in a very conservative church background, and uh, it's very common to feel like and, and be taught in a lot of ways that your cultural identity, uh, you kind of have to lose it when you become or as you grow closer in your walk with, with Christ or as you mature in that. It's almost like your cultural identity doesn't matter. But I know that the work that you do is right at the intersection of spiritual formation and cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that that's profound. That's work that not a lot of not many people talk about but you're right in the thick of it. And so can you just share with us just a little bit about how you see them as integrated and and as one in a lot of ways? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I think for me personally, 
this is expressed in my own upbringing. I, I loved how you shared, right? We go into a space and I think sometimes we're told you got to leave that aspect of your life uh, and set it aside. Mm. What I want people to do, especially these young college students, I want them to be able to learn about their identity. Um, we all have different identities. We all have different lenses that we view ourselves, we view others, we view conversations and topics. And it's silly for us to go, oh, I'm going to set this aside and try to like sterilize it and go and mm -hmm. think that I have this one perspective that is not actually being affected by these other things. So instead of walking and operating with as if they don't affect, let's name it. And we go, oh, mm -hmm. they deeply affect how we operate. And, and there's, it's funny, there's this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a Christian university and I'm trying to help people understand these things. And so there's the story, it's, it's known really well in the Bible about um, the uh, Hebrews leaving Egypt and they're in the wilderness and they, God saves them and they begin to worship and they build this golden calf. Mm -hmm. And we look at that and we go, why are they building this calf? And God's like, hey, don't do that. But when you read the text, it's like they're trying to worship God by building this calf. And mm -hmm. so it's this story of like, oh, they're using their experience in Egypt. This is how they thought they were supposed to worship. And it's breaking them out of this mold of like, no, there's a new way and, and a new way to discover how, how to worship. And what I want our students to do is go, what are the cultural ways that we can name and we can identify and we can bring that and worship God and we can listen and learn and see how that has affected us. And there are times where that actually hinders us from listening to others or hinders us from actually considering others. So how do we, how do we name that and go, okay, I'm going to pause and listen uh, to this experience and listen to this story because mm -hmm. when we come to the scriptures, we're already bringing those lenses. Or when we come to the topic of spirituality, we're bringing them, whether we acknowledge them or not. So my role is to help them and even help myself recognize those ways in which that affects our understanding of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to love others? What it means to uh, engage with others? Well, man, that, that's awesome. And, and as I hear you talk, I mean, it's obvious that you've been walking in this uh, for a while. And as you're walking students through it, I'm sure a ton of your own experiences inform the way you walk with the students and the way that you even teach this content. So uh, can you bring us into just a little bit of your own personal journey? Uh, how did you come to experience this kind of connection yourself? That's wonderful. I actually, so I work with college students, so I, I share this story a lot. When I was in high school, and I was trying to think of what should I do with my life, hmm. I don't think there was a divide between my spirituality and like my occupation and what my job. I, I know there's some people that would say, oh, there's a divide. I, I just want to make money. Hmm. I think I was trying to honor God by honoring my cultural expectations. And I already mentioned this. My parents left everything to come to the States to provide an opportunity for their kids. And so I felt like honoring God was a way to go living up to those experiences, living up to those almost expectations. And Indian American, I know there's the stereotype, but like when I was thinking about what I should do, literally it was my culture told me it's either engineering or a doctor. 
Like it's either those two things. And the way I chose my undergrad degree was I didn't like blood, so I don't want to pursue being a doctor. So I guess my only option is engineering. <laughs> and, and I went into my, you know, I went to my college experiencing simply going like that. And again, it wasn't because it was like, oh, I'm dividing um, my spirituality from this. Uh, but then as I was in the university, like in my engineering classes, I found myself actually coming alive with my philosophy classes, with my history classes, with understanding literature. But I was only taking those classes as electives because it wasn't what my primary thing was. And I had to get all my science and engineering stuff done. So it was later on in that um, time where I was actually like, no, what if I pause for a second and invite the spirit to challenge me and say, how have I been wired? And how can I honor my family expectations, but also find a place for myself that connects with what brings me alive? And I, I don't want to say that I couldn't have been an engineer and honor God, but for my own unique discernment, I wanted to spend more time with people talking about history, talking about how has, how has negative things impacted our decisions and how do I help people understand their role and empower them to be agents of change in the world. And so I shifted. I, I, I maybe did a year or two of engineering and then I went and got a degree in biblical studies and wow. leadership and, and things like that. So for me, that's an example of that connection but it also shows up in my everyday life with my kids. You know, my yeah. kids are, are, are mixed kids. Uh, I want them to embrace their Indian background. I want them to explore uh, what does it mean to be uh, not 50% uh, Indian and 50% and white, but fully both those things and yeah. being alive and, 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 that's, and owning that as a part of their spirituality, as a part of their humanness, as a part of, of their being. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I, I know for me, even just thinking back to my days in college, it's it's really easy to like when you're around a campus, you're around these professors who have dedicated their lives to what they know and, and the things that they teach. And and it's very, very easy as a student to think that, like, if you don't have it figured out right away, that, you know, uh, the world's just going to fall apart for you. But I, I can just see how easy it probably is for a lot of students to relate to you and your story of saying, like, I went one way and then went a completely opposite direction. But the beautiful part of it is it was a spiritual journey for you. And so, like, in a season, like, I mean, we don't have to really draw much attention to what has been happening the past two years almost. There's so much racial tension, so much political, so many different political divides, so many different things like tearing us apart. And for young people who are really trying to make sense of everything in the midst of this global pandemic, I really have just one question for you. I believe that you believe it's deeply important uh, that this intersection between uh, spiritual formation and cultural identity is key. Uh, what is the danger? What is the danger if people don't grasp that concept, especially students? Hmm. That's a great, great question. You know, I read a book of poetry recently. Mm -hmm. 
He was by a uh, biracial man who welcomed others to contribute to this. And in the introduction, it brought me to tears. Uh, He said, uh, it's a current book, he said something like, we can look at the world and everyone tells us that we should be divided by race, by gender, by sexuality, by political party. But if you grow up mixed, what you know and what we all know is that there is no line. Mm. And, and what I love about that phrase is that we create these lines of divide and, and when we separate spirituality from race identity, what happens is we, we hide in those lines, in those fictional lines. Mm. Uh, and we begin to look at other people as enemies uh, or, or out of fear or out of insecurity, we begin to raise up the political party lines or po- whatever those lines are, and we begin to push them away. And, we, and, and the farther they get away, the less human they become. I think when we understand that race and spirituality are connected, it allows us to be close. It allows us to see and to listen. It allows us to walk through a place of empathy, right? Like if converse, if the goal of conversation is connection and not about me being right, right? If the goal of conversation is curiosity mm. and learning and not about me defending my positions, mm-hmm. I think there can be a lot of places where we begin to see others as human and where we begin to ask the question, what is their viewpoint? What, where do they, what, what is their experience? Why is it that they think this way? And it's not to say that there aren't differences. And it's not to say that there aren't, isn't a place where we stand up for what is right yeah. or where we, we don't challenge. But I want, I, I believe the intersection of race and spirituality allows us to move from shallow, false lines to the deeper reality of what is actually the issues. Because Mm -hmm. if I look across the table and I go, okay, you're believing this out of this fear or out of this protection or out of this, let me share you my perspective. And I think when we start seeing the other person as human, Mm -hmm. when we start listening to what drives them, then we can actually challenge them. I, I think someone once, uh, once encouraged me, people can't actually hear what you're saying until you're actually with them. And being with them, they can learn that you're actually for them. Mm-hmm. That what you believe and what you want is actually for their benefit as well. And once they, you're with them, and once they believe you're for them, it's actually then where conversation and those differences can be challenged. It's actually then when you've earned the right in their mind to be able to articulate hard and difficult truths, to challenge, and then also to encourage them to, together to find a way forward. And I think wow. that is the, the center of race and spirituality. That's what happens when it comes together. Wow, that that's beautiful. I I couldn't agree more. 
I, I really couldn't. I mean, that's 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 beautiful. What was that uh, book of, of poetry? Yeah, it's mixed feelings. Uh, and I, I'm trying to find. I only have the the title. I'm trying to look for the author, but it was it was beautiful. It was really impactful for me. Wow, wow, man, that that that's awesome. And, and so you're you're doing this work uh, in a very unique place, Portland. I mean, I feel like a lot of folks have a lot of opinions about Portland. Some people love it. You know, some people think it's a bit different. But then you're also doing it with college students. So tell me a little bit. Like just about how does that work within those two spaces? Yeah, there's a lot that is probably said about Portland. I love <laughs> Portland. I, you know, I grew up here. I love the the weirdness of it. I love the intersection of all these ideas. Uh, I, I think the pioneering spirit of the Oregon Trail is al- still alive in yeah. Portland, right? You know, uh, it's interesting because uh, I work at a at a university where uh, our uh, population is is really actually diverse. It is okay. really diverse, and I think there was an article I can't remember several years ago written about Portland being a a white city. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to argue against the fact that when people come from different parts of the United States and they come and they come into the city, you can experience a very white place. But what's interesting was the response of organizations and institutions in response to that article. And the reason I bring this up is because some response was like, see, we're, we're white. There, we don't need to do anything to diversify. Like, it's not our fault. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is when you talk with college students, the conversation they want to have is, no, tell me about the history. What, was, what were the policies? What were the governmental decisions that impacted this city being white. Hmm. And then when you look and discover, oh, wait, the people of color and the communities that are different, that are not dominant, that are minority, are actually being pushed along the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So maybe let's open our eyes and explore what is happening in the suburbs. And what you find is, oh, there's a lot of people of color. Hmm. There's a lot of spiritual places where communities of color are there pursuing spirituality and having conversations and and what's fascinating is these college students are are wanting to be a uh, I would say wanting to have an impact like it's not just I'm coming to college I'm putting my head down it's like I want to have an impact in this world and I think Portland is a wonderful place where we can encourage them to go hey let me walk alongside you and help you discover what this is and and help you guys be an agent of change in this city or wherever you go. And so I, I love working with the, the energy, the passion, mm-hmm. the, the, the college students who are uh, not afraid to ask questions that lead to deeper dialogue and to deeper ideas of, of ways we can make changes happen. Wow. That, that's beautiful. That really is. And, and just your, your commitment to the students and your, your love and knowledge of the place in which you uh, do life and, and work. I mean, I've, I've had a, a beautiful time talking with you, and I, I only have one more question for, for you. And what is your encouragement to our audience in this moment, the ones who are committed to spirituality, justice, and, and growing in their wisdom of it? What is one practical piece of advice that you would give them? Mm. Yes, I would say, I, I, I think I mentioned it already. Whatever your sphere, wherever you're at, I would hope 
that we can begin to humanize our opponents, hmm. begin to build relationship and connection. Uh, I, uh, I think sometimes we look at the big stage and we believe that's the place where change is going to happen. If you have a platform and it's a big stage, use it. But you don't have to have a platform and a big stage to make change. Those conversations, those hard conversations around uh, the table, around in your families, those need to happen because I think it's the place where they actually believe you care for them. And it's yeah. those kinds of conversations that can lead it. And anyone can. And then the, the last thing, I know you asked for one, but I think the last thing is if you are in a position of uh, authority or leadership, empower others. Share that. Welcome them in. If you can, do it with friends. Collaborate. One idea by yourself in isolation, it could spark, but I'm telling you right now, like when you filter it through your friends, it, come, it becomes better. And it becomes not just your own, but it unites people. And in, in those conversations, uh, a lot of things can change. Wow. Wow, that's, that's amazing and, and great advice, convicting advice for me even. So I, I, really, uh, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. And I mean, I just pray and speak blessing over all of your endeavors and all of your work with students. Uh, I myself have two kids and I'm, I feel you from the moment you said, you know, I, I hope I'm creating a space that's great for them. Uh, I'm with you there. So definitely peace and joy and blessing, especially in this season to you and your family. And just thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your heart with us and, and sharing such, I mean, such impactful, powerful and important work, especially right now. So I can't do anything, but thank you for sharing just a piece of your time with our community um, that hopefully we can grow and develop and uh, be better advocates for justice through what you've shared with us. So thanks so much, Renji, for coming on today. Thank you, and I appreciated this opportunity just to get to know you and, and the audience. I, I love the work that you're doing. It's such an honor to be a part of it. Thank you, thank you so much.